From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. If you are a leader, any kind of leader, this is perhaps the most elemental question you could ever ask yourself. Would you follow you? Would you follow you? I told you, it doesn't really get more elemental than that. We're going to talk a lot about that question and how to even get to that question. But first, let's talk about the guy you just heard ask that question. Logan Stout, proud father of twins, serial entrepreneur, grew up dirt poor, worked full time since the age of 12, was fortunate to be a multimillionaire in my early 20s and have started companies that have produced billions of dollars in revenue. And since then, I've now a keynote speaker and author. He just said author there. That includes a book called Grit Factor, 15 Attributes to Doing Life Better. And Logan personally gave me a copy of that book because we were recently speaking at the same event. It was actually an entrepreneur event. We had a really awesome mastermind for franchise CMOs. And I was just so impressed with Logan and the way that he connected and related to the people there and how insightful he is about leadership in particular. And as it turns out, that's because it's a subject that he's been thinking a lot about for a very long time. Yeah, it was interesting. When I was 17 years old, I was given my first leadership book by an individual who's now one of my dear friends, John Maxwell. And, and I realized, he said, he had a statement that said, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I remember the first time he told me that, I said, I said, really? Like, I'm, not, I'm not so sure if I buy into that. And then the truth is, is I do buy into that 100% because we attract who we are, not what we want, right? If we want to grow our business, we got to grow ourselves. If we want to grow our business, we got to grow our people. And so the biggest thing I see in this leadership void or leadership vacuum is I think too many leaders look at their team as a transactional piece to hit a certain number on the bottom line or to get a marketing campaign done or whatever it may be. And so I've just seen this happen, whether I'm asked to be a keynote speaker or mentoring an owner of a company or helping a startup salesperson, right? It seems like it's a common thing. And that is people are not being grown. People are simply existing. They're merely existing within the infrastructure that they were signed up to be a part of. And, and I just think the culture, when you look at great companies, right, they've got phenomenal cultures. They're not just a company. They're truly a movement, right? They stand for something. And I just see that I see that too many people trying to grow a business, grow a company, and they don't understand that everything rises and falls on the people that the company is comprised of because your culture is not core values. Your culture is not a mission statement. Those may help be a guiding light, but your culture is truly the sum of all the people, personalities, and experiences that they bring into the workforce day in, day out. And that's either going to make or break you. And now you can see why after we met at that event, I said to Logan, we got to talk on mic. I got to capture some of this stuff and put it on the podcast. And what is going to come in this conversation that you're going to hear is really awesome. Because first we lay out the disconnect that leaders often have between what they think that their role is and what their role really needs to be. And then, and you got to stick around for this because it was just so good. I asked Logan to take me into a recent conversation that he had with one of his clients who was really struggling as a leader. And 
that story and then the insights that come from it are going to stick with you, I think, and force you to think about what kind of leader you are right now and what kind of leader your team needs you to be. So that's what's coming up on Problem Solvers after the break. This ad is going to be different than basically every other ad you've ever heard on the show. Why? Because I'm not telling you about somebody else's thing. I'm telling you about my own thing. I, Jason Pfeiffer, host of Problem Solvers, I have one thing right now that you can do to improve your work and build a career or company you love. And what is that one thing? Well, it is a newsletter that I write, which is called One Thing Better. Now, because I am the host of this podcast and editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, I get to talk to just incredible people and I am always absorbing the advice that they give me. And I know it is easy to be inundated with advice. It's just too much of it. And with newsletters too, too much of that. That is why I keep it simple. Each week, I take everything that I've learned, I distill it down one thing, one thing better, one thing better you can do. Easy, simple, actionable, put it into practice right now. One thing better, the newsletter brings you literally just that. One way you can improve, one way you can do the work you love better. Sign up for free at onethingbetter.email. Yes, that is the website, one, that is O-N-E, onethingbetter.email. All right, we're back talking with Logan Stout about leadership. And here's what I said to Logan. So I heard him give that setup about his insights that leadership needs to be more about connection. It needs to be more about serving and supporting the people that you work with, not just doing the tasks that need to be done. And that got me thinking about this concept of servant leadership that maybe you've heard about. And so that's how I began our conversation, by bringing that up and trying to highlight what I wondered might be a kind of gap in the way that leaders understand their value. The thing that I find interesting about the idea of servant leadership, servant leadership being at its core, the idea that you as a leader think of yourself as a servant of the people who you lead, is that I would imagine every leader in some way or another thinks of themselves as a servant, as, as their job is to do well for the people that they serve, their customers, but also for the people who that work for them. But what you're describing in leaders who are, let's say, so focused on bottom line and operations that they forget to nurture the people around them. I would bet that if you sat those people down and, and I would, and I, I say I would bet because I'm going to take a gamble here, you're going to tell me in a second if I'm right, because you work with so many leaders, is that they would say, well, look, my job is to keep the lights on. My job is to make sure that things happen. My job is to make sure that this company is functional so that people have a job tomorrow. And it's not like they're being selfish. It's not like, they, or at least that they perceive that they're being selfish. It's not like they are intending to ignore people, but rather that they have translated their purpose as task-oriented. And that what they've created as a result is a blind spot. And therefore, they, they miss this other really important point. And the reason I bring this up is because it's an interesting knot to untangle here, which is that it's not just about telling people that they must connect. It's about reframing for people what their role as a leader is. Am I right about that? No, I, I agree. You know, the word servant leader does get tossed around in different, 
ecosystems, right? And it's interesting when you ask somebody, what does that mean? And depending on, it's funny, it kind of depends on the state of their business. Right? When business yeah. is booming and everything's great, yeah, we're here to serve you. When, when they're we're having a tough time, as you said, keep the lights on, they're like, listen, I'm just, I got to put food on the table. And, and so it's just interesting to me. I believe this, and I'm speaking from experience. You know, I think knowledge is what you, you learn, but experience is, and wisdom is what you've lived. And I've owned my own companies. I, I've had days and, and probably months, my, my staff and teams would say, that I, I wasn't a very good servant leader because you're trying to win. You're trying to win. And sometimes when you're trying to win, the only way you can really define that in the short term is did we hit the benchmarks that we were trying to hit financially, right? Or operationally or whatever it may be. And so I've always told myself, in fact, it's funny at, at our headquarters where three of my companies are located, my office is actually in the lobby. Oh, <laughs> it, it, it's, And I did that on purpose to remind myself that CEO or chairman, that means my job is to serve more people, not more people serve me. And it, it's easy. Listen, I think it's important for people listening to this and, and whatnot. Unless you've been in the shoes of CEO or owner or chairman or president or some C-suite, whatever it is, you don't understand what they go through every day. You don't understand the pressure they may have from the board, right? You don't understand the pressure they have from whatever it may be, right? They're the ones in the media getting blitzed if, you, if, if they're a public company, right? And they don't hit their numbers, right? All the shareholders aren't happy, right? And so on the flip side, there's people that have never been just in sales or and I don't mean just in sales in a negative sense, meaning individuals play the game, teams win championships, right? So just because somebody has a title and a bigger paycheck doesn't mean they're better than someone else. It just simply means they have more responsibility and more on their shoulders. And so for me, I just believe it's critically important to remember that our bank account, and our title does not define who we are, and it does not make us better than anyone else. We all bring things to the table. And so for me, uh, when you mentioned servant leader, and I believe the best companies are led by folks that have that mindset. And I think it's important when I say have that mindset, I mean, they live it, right? Because mm -hmm. life is caught, then taught. People see what you do. That's what they do. And words are good for the moment, but only action's good for the movement. And I've just always believed that people can refute what you say, but they cannot deny what they see. And so as leaders, and what I try to coach other individuals on is, would you follow you? Right? Mm. If you really value people, do your actions validate that? And I've just, I've never a company truly win long-term that didn't value people because no matter what you're selling or what your service is, there are people making that happen. And there are people that are running the technologies that are making that happen. And so, again, I, I love the statement servant leader, but I think a lot of times <laughs> it's, it's better said than actually done, right? Yeah. Let's zero in very specifically on that thing you just said. <laughs> Would people follow you? Would you follow you? Would you follow you? Take me into, you can either pick an actual client and anonymize them or just kind of speak more generally. But I'm really curious when you sit down with a leader and you ask them that question and after some hard reflection, the answer is no, or the answer is more complicated than simply, yes, I would. How do you start to break apart what the problem is? Can you diagnose it for someone who maybe heard that question, thought of it for themselves and is not exactly sure what the answer is? Well, it's interesting. I was mentoring a, a CEO of a fairly large company recently, and their numbers are starting to go down. And he came to me, I spoke as a keynote speaker, at one of their events, and that's how we connected. And then long story short, he reached out and said, Hey, man, can I pick your brain? And so fast mm -hmm. forward, here we are last week, and his numbers are down pretty significantly. And 
but he's, it's interesting. His company grew so fast. I mean, it came out of the gates and skyrocketing. And I mean, there were thousands of people at the, that conference that I spoke at. And, and he was telling me how things aren't going too well now. And I just asked him point blank. I said, listen, the danger of growing fast is it feeds your ego. The benefit of struggling and going through adversity is it builds your character. Mm. I said, I, I, and I almost said the guy's name. <laughs> I'm glad I did. <laughs> I said, my concern for you is that you may have unintentionally allowed your ego to get the better of you. And all those around you and those counting on you saw that. And I told mm. him, I said, please understand where I'm coming from. I was there too. <laughs> I've seen me do that. And it's easy for, you look at athletes, you look at anybody. I mean, it's easy for people to fall into that trap when they have overnight success. They have this, things are just rocking. And I believe this, momentum is the great exaggerator, right? When things are going great, it makes you look a lot better than you really are. When things are not going well, it makes you look worse than you really are. And that was basically the advice I had for him. I said, I said, Let's, let's take it back when things were rocking and rolling. Would you follow you? And he's like, man, I was honestly looking back. I was kind of full of myself. Hmm. I said, I've been there. I've been there. I said, now let's look at you today. Would you follow you? And he goes, man, I'm definitely leading differently than I did back then. And I said, let me guess. You're more irritable. He goes, well, I wouldn't call it irritable. I go, all right, what would you call it? He goes, okay, yeah, irritable, irritable. <laughs> I, said, I said, because your, your temper's short, because your bandwidth is short, because you got, you got the end of the month coming up and you got to hit the numbers. Is that right? Does that sound right? He goes, well, yeah, it's exactly what it is. He goes, we got overextended because when we were on top of the world, man, we were throwing money at everything. And then now it's like the, the staff are wondering, why is this budget cut? Why is this budget cut? Why is this budget cut? I said, okay, no problem. I said, so I think we've answered my first question, which is, would you follow you? In both instances, from the beginning and today, your answer would be, no, you probably wouldn't. He goes, and he kind of got emotional. And he goes, well, what, what should I do about it? He said, you got to own it. People don't expect, this is big, people don't expect a perfect leader. They expect an authentic one. I said, you need to have a meeting with your, with your C-suite, with your executives, just you and them, make them feel special, if necessary, one-on-one. -on -one. You need to look them in the eye and you need to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You need to own it. No, don't make any excuse for it. Da, da, da. Like, there's a reason the front glass of your car, the windshield is huge and the rearview mirror is small, right? Too many people spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror and they miss what's out in front of them. I said, so we don't want to do that. You're just going to, you're just going to touch on the key things where, where you didn't connect with your team. Cause I believe everyone speaks, but few communicate the best connect for you to connect with your team. It's going to require authenticity. Authenticity is the glue to connectivity. If you want to connect with your team, you need to be real, you need to be humble, you need to be authentic, period. And he goes, well- Not easy. It's what he looked at me. I could tell he kind of sat back in his chair. Like you could tell he was going, uh, I don't know if I like this. I said, listen, I'm your friend, not your fan. A fan tells you what you want to hear. A friend tells you what you need to hear. I said, you didn't hire me to be your fan. You hired me to help you grow your business. And as your friend now, I'm telling you, this will work. And he goes, okay, so we start role playing. And it was funny because he was overthinking everything. And I literally had to stop him in the middle. I said, listen, you're trying to be a script here. You're trying to be a robot. I said, you're that's not, not going to solve the problem. You need to be real. Just be real. Be human. And your team will love you for that. They will respect you for that. And your business will start growing because of that, right? 
I said, take off the fancy suit. Show up. Go casual. Shock your whole office. Go casual. Right? You're going to have to disrupt something if you want to change something. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you're getting. And it ain't working because you've lost your team. He goes, well, I don't think I've lost my team. I go, everything you've told me would tell me you've pretty much lost your team. It's like a coach in sports, right? If the coach doesn't have the locker room, if he doesn't have the players buy-in in the locker room, that coach's job is, his days are numbered. And he goes, well, yeah, I've actually started thinking about that. Like, you know what, you know, what if the company fails? I go, you can't think about that. Just focus on what you're doing. So anyway, fast forward. Fast forward, he calls me the next day, the next afternoon, like emotional, crying on the phone. And he's not an emotional dude. He's your type A, mega, you know, make it happen. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes it worked. <laughs> I said, I said, tell me about it. He goes, they literally came up and hugged me. He goes, like, my, 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 my staff, he goes, half of them are crying. They're hugging. And then I'm getting emotional thinking about it. And then he stopped and he paused and he was taking, holding back his tears. He said, he said, Logan, the one person that I needed the most that I thought was going to leave the firm came up and hugged me and said, I've got your back. Wow. Wow. Everyone speaks. Few communicate the best connect. He's learned to connect with his people. So now going back to your original question, he is a servant leader now, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's leading the people with humility and authenticity, and his people are stepping up to the, the occasion. And so I'm actually curious for he and I to meet next to hear uh, how the business is doing, but uh, I got a strong feeling it's doing really well. I love that story. Thanks for sharing it. And as you were telling it, I was thinking how the core thing I think you were doing when you were talking to him was you were deprogramming the thing he thought he had to do as a leader. He thought he had to be rock solid, unquestionable. And what you were telling him was that doing that created such a disconnect between him and the people that he is leading that he had failed, really, to live up to the thing that they needed from him. That's exactly right. There's leadership by position and there's leadership by permission. The greatest leaders, the greatest leaders have the honor of their team giving them the permission. Basically, they give, they give the leader the permission to do life with them. And that's the way I look at it. A great leader realizes these individuals don't have to do life with you. They don't have to grow your brand, your company, your entity, your organization. They don't have to. They choose to. And they are giving you as the leader, they're giving you permission to be their boss. They're giving you permission to be their leader, right? Versus top-down is, is positional leadership, or I'm the leader, and so you have to listen to me, and if you don't, I'm going to fire you, right? That, 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 that doesn't work. Not in a leadership culture. And you look at, again, look at the iconic brands. When things were going well, it was everybody rowing in the same direction. When things weren't going well, it was this top-down boss mandating things and all that. It just doesn't work that way, right? You want people to be bought in. And to get people bought in, you've got to have a leadership by permission mindset versus a leadership by position mindset. And uh, that's really, I think you're right. You're exactly right. That's the mind shift, Jason, that he encountered there. And I, I just think, listen, you said it perfectly. We're programmed, right? And one of the biggest things I think all of us need to remember is we either make our way in the world or the world makes its way in us. And you, there's a reason, there's a reason there aren't a lot of billionaires in the world. There's a reason There aren't a lot of really successful, profitable companies in the world. There's a reason. And it's because they're not led well. I mean, think, Jason, I mean, you're around this all the time. You interview the most famous people in the world all the time. Uh, You've got an incredible book, Build for Tomorrow, that I absolutely love. I mean, you know this. But it's interesting. It's interesting how people are so focused on the tangible 
when the truth is, it's the intangible things that make the tangible relevant, right? What's intangible? A person's mindset. What's intangible? A person's heart. What's intangible? A person's inspiration. What's intangible? A person's motivation, right? And if they're inspired and motivated and their heart's in the right place, their mindset's in the right place, they're going to go make the tangible happen. But you can have the most talented person in the world with the greatest, most revolutionary product offering in the world. But if they are motivated, inspired, their mindset's not right, their heart's not right, it's going to flop. I mean, look at how many great inventions and stuff have been created. Heck, I acquired, I'll give you an example. I acquired one. I acquired an asset about 10 years ago from a, a venture capital firm. The founders had basically given up on it, sold it. And the reason they sold it is they didn't think it would work. And so they sold it for nothing, like, like 250 grand or something like that. And they'd given up on their dream, right? Well, I was being interviewed on the news. I get off set and I, I get pitched this concept. It was something I said, I forget, but it led to them reaching out and they pitched me this concept. And so we acquired it from the venture capital firm, right? So we, we bought it for, uh, like I said, 250,000 bucks. And our first, first day that we launched that product to the marketplace, we did $1.4 million in revenue. Huh. First day. Good investment. Yeah, not bad, right? And so what was the difference? The difference was the previous owners Everything was, was this hierarchical, dot I, cross T. It was, all, it was all mental, right? Everything was about facts, 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 right? And so nobody wanted to sell it. They couldn't get anybody that had any drive to go move this product. And so my thought was, all right, let's go find some passionate people that care about this subject matter then just teach them how they can get paid for sharing it. And let's see what happens. Boom, the rest is history. <laughs> Logan. I could talk to you about leadership all day, but I'm going to just ask you one final question. And that is that a number of times in our conversation, you have referenced back to yourself. I've been there. I've been there. I've been the leader that wasn't connecting. I've been the leader that was caught up in ego. Obviously, you've gone on a long journey yourself as a leader. It's the reason you're able to have that kind of insight and share it with others. And I'm curious what the turning point moment was for you. When you look back, what did you hear or see or realize or what broke that needed fixing? What happened that snapped you out of one style of leadership and opened the way for the next? I would say two things. One mm -hmm. was struggle. Uh, I felt like something was missing in my life personally. And so it really got me just diving into personal growth. And it's the reason I've written the books I've written, quite honestly. So that was the first reason. Secondly, struggle in business. From a very young age, I was very fortunate in my early 20s to start a business and was a multimillionaire by the age of 22. I grew up dirt poor. And, you know, and, and when you grow up like that, you learn that money is not the most important thing, right? And my mom taught me that uh, as a little kid. It's like money's not the most important thing, you know, as long as you love and love well and, and we got each other and it's the most important things. And I always laugh about that. I go, my mom was exactly right, but I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I've been broke and now I am where I am today, which is totally different. And I prefer this life a lot better. You know? <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, we started, I started my first like seven or eight companies were just home runs. Very fortunate. I was retired. My wife and I got pregnant and we launched another company. Long story short, we came out of the gate doing really well. Uh, and then we hit a snag and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I started getting irritable and I started getting, just not myself because I want to win. And when you're, when you don't like losing and you want to win, in fact, let me rephrase that. Winning is expected. Losing is not tolerated. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't even enjoy winning. It's just expected, which is yeah. just something I'm growing through as well. But 
I just learned in life that there are people that go through life there are, and there are people that grow through life. And I've, I've chosen that there's no such thing as a bad experience as long as you get better from it. And, and so for me, I believe the situations can either grow us or the situations can knock us on our, our butt, right? And, and so for me, the struggle is what ultimately grew me as a human being and as a leader. And I had a friend of mine. She has become a dear friend of mine. Uh, she actually is now the president of three of my companies. But she came into my office and she, she looked me right in the eye. She goes, you may fire me for this. She said, but I want to be honest with you because you've always told us to come tell you anything, that you're unoffendable and we can come tell you anything. I said, absolutely. I'm 100% unoffendable. She hit me straight. She goes, you're, you've changed. I go, what do you mean? She goes, you used to be patient and loving and like kind. And you were always asking how our families are doing. And like you, we knew you truly cared about us. And over the last month, it's like, all you care about is, is the bottom line. And I just feel like I need to tell you that because working here is becoming miserable. When working here was the greatest joy I've ever had. She was, I, used to to hear. Love, I used to love coming to work. She, she really told me, she goes, she goes, most people hate the weekend or love the weekend and hate the weekdays. She goes, I hate the weekends. I like, cause I can't wait to be back in the office. And she looked at me, she goes, I just hope you'll hear what I said and, and go back to the Logan we all love. And I'll never forget she told me that. And I just believe in life, we need truth tellers. And sometimes in life, our egos get in the way where we feel like, well, you know, I don't need to hear the truth. I don't need to hear that. That's just their opinion. Well, it may be just their opinion, but their opinion matters. And if they have that opinion, I promise you other people probably do as well. And so most of the things I write about, teach about, speak on stage about are things I've lived. And so that's why I always joke around. People want to say, oh, you're a motivational speaker. No, I'm not. A motivational speaker gets you fired up. And the next day you wake up and you don't remember why. A motivational teacher gives you real world things you can apply instantly to go do life better. And that's what makes me tick. And so I think it's important, too, that anytime somebody doesn't have an authentic answer for somebody, don't make it up. I've seen that happen a lot. I'm like, you know what? I don't have wisdom in that area, but I know someone who does. Let me call him. And so, yeah, no, Zig Ziglar, one of my favorite quotes of Zig Ziglar is, is this, because there's no such thing as a smooth mountain. If there were, how in the world would you climb it? <laughs> for everybody out there listening, I think it's important we realize that our growth moments don't come in our comfort zone. Our growth moments come when we're forced to be uncomfortable. And so for me, Jason, the times where I was forced to be uncomfortable, humbled, and quite frankly, losing in the moment, those are the moments that made me a better man, a better husband, a better dad, a better leader, a better human. And, you know, it's so funny. We don't, none of us want those moments. And some of you listening to this, you may be going through those moments right now. And I just believe in this. If you choose, every mess is meant to become a powerful message. If you choose. Logan, you gave praise a few minutes ago to the truth tellers. Appreciate you being a truth teller as well. That was fantastic. It's great talking to you. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it, my man. That's all for this week. But hey, let's keep the conversation going. I write a newsletter called One Thing Better, where every week I give you one way to improve your work and build a career or company you love. You can subscribe for free at jasonpfeiffer.com slash newsletter jasonpfeiffer.com slash newsletter. And if you do, you should definitely reply and say hello. I promise I'll get back to you. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning. So make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.